This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. And now, the new home of the Chicago Bears. We are live from the State Street Old National Bank Studio. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. Welcome to Black and Abdallah. Black and Abdallah. On ESPN Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. to start the show to those who came out to see us at EPI last night. That place was packed. Shout out. What a great time we had last night for Bears Night in Chicago. It's Black and Abdal on a Tuesday night hanging out with you tonight. If you want to join us, you can call us at 312-332-3776. want to start Bears football with you, Abdal, and I, I was thinking about this earlier today. You know, when we look back on the last couple of seasons with Ryan Poles as the GM of this team, you know, a lot of the discussion today and yesterday has been about the head coach, Matt Eberflus, the quarterback, Justin Fields, the epic collapse once again the third time this season where you have a game one in the fourth quarter and the Bears are unable to do so to win the football game. They're 5-9 and nine now on this season. Playoff hopes are super unlikely at this point. Uh, the one thing that I keep going back to and thinking about the GM, Ryan Poles, is that he makes bold moves. Now, not all of the moves have worked out, but he's made bold moves in his time as GM for the Chicago Bears. He made the trade last year for Chase Claypool at the trade deadline. He traded away Roquan Smith. That's a really good football player. He moved on from Roquan Smith. He traded the number one pick last year for the draft, acquired DJ Moore, who's been fantastic for the Bears this uh, season. He traded this year for Montez Sweat. You know, he's also, uh, if we want to look at what Ryan Poles has put together here for this roster, in two seasons in the draft, he's drafted five starters. You know, honestly, I don't know if that's good or bad, right? Like five starters in two years sounds pretty good, right? You're acquiring yeah. starters. I would imagine the teams who are the best in the NFL, you're getting at least in two years of draft eligible players. You're probably getting anywhere from five to ten starters, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, but he does have five starters that he's drafted, right? Stevenson, Gordon, Brisker, and then Braxton Jones, all starters on this team. He's done a lot of good things, and I think this team is building and pointing in a in a right direction as far as winning eventually. Uh, the one thing I'm going to point out is he makes bold moves, so I don't think he'll wait and do nothing when it comes to the quarterback and when it comes to the head coach. When we I, get to the end of the yeah. season, like I, I don't think that it's going to be a wait-and-see approach. He's been bold to this point. I agree with you. I also would uh, you know, go through, because they did have a lot of money last year, how many starters has he acquired? Right. Like we talk about TJ Edwards a lot. And, you know, we mentioned the shout out. Shout out to him for yesterday. It was a great show with him. If you missed it, check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app uh, after this show. Of course, listen to us first, then go back and listen to that. What if you dual listen? That's be weird. You get one on the app, one on Twitch. I mean, if you can, if you if you have the brain capacity, sometimes to listen to two of us <laughs> at the same time, that that's hats off to you. But like, you know, TJ Edwards and, you know, Tremaine Edmonds. They're starters that he he paid for. He paid for, he traded for Montez Sweat and then paid him. So, like, 
Yes, he's only drafted five starters, but he's acquired a lot of starters as well. Like DJ Moore was a trade, you know, and that's probably him and Sweat have probably been, you know, the two most talked about and impactful players uh, that, that have had the quickest return on investment, right? They, they're one of the top defenses in the league since Sweat got here, and DJ Moore continues to shine on game day when others on the offense don't, like Darnell Mooney. Um, I think you're right, and I think you don't have to even look at the moves he's made. Just look at his the actions and his words from last year. At the Combine, they said they wanted to trade the pick pretty quickly, and it was like a week after the Combine they traded the pick, and that was it, right? So we knew right away as soon as he said it, yeah, we've got some suitors, and we'd like to move this thing quickly, and they did. And we didn't have to wait until draft night. And we didn't have to wait until, you know, their pick in the draft or right before their pick in the first round. Like, we knew going in where they were going to pick and who was going and that the Panthers were going to have the first pick in the draft and that they were setting themselves up with more picks for the future. So I agree with you. I don't think we'll have to wait again. I think we'll know. I think if they find a suitor, if they choose to move on from Justin Fields and they find a suitor, they will move him and we'll know that they're going to use that first pick overall or if they move the pick and draft you know further back i think it's more likely to me and i'll ask you this is it more likely or less likely it's more likely that if they're going to move on from justin fields that moves move happens sooner rather than later and if they do that then i don't know if they trade that pick sooner rather than later right like i think if they move if they trade justin fields and move on from him it happens pretty quickly but then if they decide to to move back in the draft and get their quarterback at three or four or five, that that might be a day of draft move because you want to get the maximum value and you want a team to really fall in love with Caleb Williams or really or be worried that they're not going to get their guy on draft day. Like we saw Pace move up for Mitchell Trubisky, right? Like that happened that day sure. in the draft. Like I feel like that's more likely to happen if they stick with Fields. We'll probably see the same thing again. They'll probably move that pick right after the combine or close to that, and we won't have to wait until draft night to see them you know, move that number one pick should they decide to stick with Justin Fields. Yeah, I think what, what's interesting is we would, if we knew that Justin Fields was a quarterback that the GM drafted, we would have more of a leeway here for the quarterback to figure it out. But I think most people assume because Ryan Poles acquired Justin Fields as a part of what the Bears were already put together when he got here, that this is like something where he'll have a decision made immediately. I I think that then parlays into the idea of how much value, what can you get for the pick if you want to move off of the pick? And how late can you hold on to that pick to get the most out of it? He moved pretty quickly last year with that number one pick, and I think he got the most he could get out of it. Mm -hmm. So perhaps they go to the combine, and other teams are willing to move heaven and earth to, to acquire that number one pick, and you're getting multiple star players, you're getting maybe future first-round picks, all this stuff to piece together in a package for that number one pick. Like, I wonder how much polls has to be out on fields to say, you know what, it actually is beneficial for us to trade this number one pick and even though I don't think Fields is the guy, I can't pass up this haul that's being offered to me. And I think that's where we enter this whole other piece of the conversation with the quarterbacks in the draft in that Caleb Williams is a great prospect. Drake May is a great prospect. And then there's question marks with 
uh, Jaden Daniels. There's question marks with Bo Nix. There's question marks with Michael Penix. And, and whether or not any one of the five names that I mentioned are legit top guys who can lead a franchise for the next 10 or 12 years. You know, Matt Miller on ESPN.com wrote an article today about the quarterback saying into the next year's draft. And most of the experts that he talked to, former uh, GMs within the National Football League, were not saying that Caleb Williams is a guaranteed Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. They think he's going to be somewhere better than other former number one picks like Baker Mayfield. So, you know, think of it that way. If you're a Bears fan, it's Kyler, Baker. I know that Trevor Lawrence was a uh, number one pick that was Mm -hmm. super hyped. But, like, from what other GMs are saying is that Caleb may not be Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. He might be a level below that. And is it worth it to give up on fields and draft that quarterback, hoping he turns into something that who knows if he ever will be? Or do you cash in? And get picks for the future. Keep building your team. Add more assets. Maybe you draft a great player in the the top five picks because you move back to that point. I think it's all on the table. The the one thing that I kept thinking about Adam as as we were like prepping for the show, and as that it, it's now Tuesday, and we're like letting it marinate from yesterday the loss and how bad that that kind of sucker punch that the Bears couldn't beat the Browns is that mm-hmm. like Ryan Poles doesn't sit and do nothing. Yeah, he's made bold moves, and I like to that. this point. I like some it. have missed. That's fine. Some have hit and some have hit home runs. You know, TJ Edwards, it, it was awesome that he was on the show last night. That's a home run. Absolutely. Signing. He is playing way above what he signed for with mm-hmm. the Bears. That's a great signing. Tremaine Edmonds playing really well. Mm-hmm. Montez Sweat. That's a grand slam. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's going to be a, an excellent player for this team for a long time. Trading for DJ Moore. Great trade. I still think he's, he's a fantastic player. I still think he's had more hits than misses. I think that if you look at the hits and you look at not everything's going to be a home run, you're going to hit some safe. We're doing the analogies. You're going to hit some singles and some doubles. But he has hit more than he's struck out. Like Velas is a, a, a strikeout for sure. Claypool, horrible trade. Horrible trade. You know, but right now the Steelers are doing you a little bit of a favor by losing some games to those teams that are that are uh, around the Panthers, and they helped you out, I guess, kind of. So, yeah, it was a horrible, horrible trade. But I think you're right. I, I like that he makes bold moves. I think he's had more hits than misses, and it's kind of like that. You know, like you see cartoons, and the cartoon character is like, well, on one hand, you keep Fields and you build around him, and you you know you try to do that. On the other hand, you move on. On the other hand, you get and the the, the hands keep popping out yeah. because there's so many different things to consider with this decision. There's financial flexibility in bringing in a a a, uh, a new quarterback on a rookie deal. There's um you know more picks to be had. You could get another first round pick for next year. You could recoup your second pick from this year. You could add a third or fourth round pick in addition to that because they're going to be a team is going to fall in love with Caleb Williams and they're going to give you a ton for him. So let me ask you this. We listed off all the different players, the positives, the negatives, uh the home runs that Ryan Poles has hit. Where do you put the coach? Because Matt Eberflus is Ryan Poles is higher. Mm-hmm. He is on pace to be the losingest coach in Bears history. And that's why I think when we see what we saw on Sunday, and I mentioned that Ryan Poles makes bold moves, he's done it with the roster. Is he going to find a new head coach the moment the season ends? Because think about it. As a GM, that's his pick. How many coaches do you get as a GM without great success? Two, usually. Usually two. Mm -hmm. So if he's already moving off of his first one two years in, 
it's going to come back to him. Even if he's piecing together a great roster and we're saying yeah. there's all these hits, we can mention some misses as well as guys brought onto the roster who are not doing anything. Of course. So, so I think you also have to consider it was his pick to get Eberflus. Where do you put that into this whole equation on what Poles is doing? Well, I think you have to look at it this way. And this is what we know from people up there, right? They're not counting last year against him. Okay. Last year doesn't count. So, so then last year doesn't count. So you can say I'm glad losing, you answered like you this. can you can say losing his coach in Bears history, but you up there because they traded everybody away. They cut guys. They were they were you know dipping out on money. They were trying to reset the financial status of the team as far as cap goes and everything like that. They don't count last year against him. The three win season is a wash. They're looking at this season, and I think that that also can be a negative for him because you look at the three collapses, right? You look at the three games where they had a lead and they blew it at the end. You look at the Broncos game, the Lions game, and now the Browns game. And you look at those games and you say, your defense, well, Fields cost them the Browns game, the, the Broncos game, but your defense cost us games. Sure, you can rattle off the defensive stats like he did at the beginning of his presser yesterday, like he was reading a resume for Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles and saying how many takeaways they have and how they have points off those turnovers now and how they outscore opponents 39 to nothing in the third quarter and mention how great Montez Sweat is playing and everything. That's all well and good. The fact of the matter is your team blew three leads and you should have eight wins right now when you only have five. Well, and, and you you mentioned the, the way that, you know, Matt Eberflus is the guy and you can point to the defensive stats. I, I'll point to the, the overall record. He's eight and 23. He's a 258 win percentage as Bears head coach at the moment. It would be the lowest in Bears history. You know, it, Poles is the one who brought him in. You only get a couple of coaches, and that's why, like, you have to pause for a second and say, is he ready to launch this coach knowing that time's going to start ticking on him as, as we look at this whole situation? You have to start winning now. John and Woodridge, you're on ESPN 1000 with Black and Bell. What's up, John? How are you doing, guys? So I just had two things to say. The first thing is you, you got to keep fields. You, you cannot gamble and, and lose. You gamble and lose and fields go somewhere else, then you got big problems. The second thing is Eberflus has got to go. They need to change this guy's name from Eberflus to Ebersuck and put him in a concussion protocol Zing. because that's how he's been coaching, like there's something wrong with him. All right. All right. We got you in there, John. Keep fields, get Eber, rid of Flus. Ebersuck. Doesn't really rhyme. I thought uh, like Eber lose. Yeah, was Eber lose. I thought he was going with Eber lose. He does a lot of losing, but he went with he's a loser. Eber suck, right? If he would have said that. Um, look, I I no, under- just keep it moving. Okay, there's no. Yeah, I mean I can respond. No, it's to keeping fields and and firing a coach. We'll take more calls. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Blocking Abdal. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Eber quote. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. Black and 
Abdullah on a Tuesday, taking your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Adam in Rosemont, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Adam? Hey, buddy. Hey, what's up? I called earlier. I'm not sure if you guys heard, but I want to uh, discuss further. So, again, have we ever, would you guys say we've ever lost a game because of Justin Fields? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's lost. Yeah, he's lost yes. games. Yeah. He lost, the Bronco, he lost the Broncos game. Yeah. Yeah, okay. his turnover in the fourth I, I quarter, con- that did them, man. I don't consider that a loss by him. I think it was inadequate offensive line play. But what that, was that, what was that fumble that he had? I don't. But you can fix that. That's not something that you can't not fix. But he did. Even if you can fix it, he okay. lost yeah, them. He, that, lost that he lost them that yeah. game. But that's somebody we can build around for the future that can win us the Super Bowl. We can we can teach him to hold on to the ball. We can strengthen the offensive line in order for him to you know not do that as frequently, which he has. He's been doing that frequently, and Caleb Williams has done that plenty of times in college. But what I'm saying is, if we just keep the guy and build around him with drafting a tackle at that fifth pick, drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. instead of gambling on to the two other quarterbacks. I think we're more closer to winning the Super Bowl. Do you guys agree? Adam, are you in a library? Yeah, why, why are you so quiet, man? Are you like at work? What's going on? Or are you just mellow? Yeah. Or are you just very mellow dude? That's just my voice. Okay. All right, all right. It sounded like yeah. you were trying to be yeah. quiet because yeah. like someone was around and you weren't supposed to be on the phone. I'm not supposed to be talking That's my to voice. That's all good. That's all right, Adam. Thanks for the phone call. We'll answer your question. I, I think. No thank problem. you, Adam. Appreciate it. I, I think that... Can they build around fields and still get to where we want them to go? I think they can. I don't know how many more opportunities they're going to give him to prove that he can get it done. Well, he's getting three more. He's getting three more. <laughs> he's got to look really good in the next three games. And he can. I think he can because, you know, they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite against the Cardinals. Cardinals are the worst defense in the league. Uh, the Falcons have a the 23rd-ranked defense in the league, and the, the Packers have the 29th-ranked defense in the league, if you're going by DVOA. And so, like, there are opportunities for him to show out, and they should. Like, for me, it's more that if they come out flat, and they don't win the game against the Cardinals, my, my mind's made up. Like, that's a team you should, you should beat at home. You should beat a team that's coming from Arizona to come here and play in, quote, bear weather, and you should beat that team. They're the, one of the worst teams in the NFL. You should handle your business. This defense should be able to stop Kyler Murray. This offense should be able to score against that bad defense. They should win this game. Same thing goes for the Falcons. You should be able to beat the Falcons at home. The Packers, it's a different animal. Which Jordan Love is going to show up? He's been really good at times. He's been really bad at times. Uh, their defense is really bad, so another scoring opportunity that Fields is going to put up some numbers. I don't know if they're just garbage time numbers, though. Like, has the decision been made, and this is just like the the way he played against the Browns, the way he struggled against decent defenses, are these just garbage time stats that we're going to get from Fields in the mind of Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren and, and the whole front office? I just want to look at the entire season together. And I know if we were sitting here in the summer or when you and I were broadcasting live from training camp, all those days that we were filling in for Greeny in the morning, the conversation was this will be a successful year if they get to eight wins. They can still do that. And you and I talked about it last night on the show. If you missed the show, the the thing that I keep going back to after the loss against the Browns is that, okay, if that's what we were hoping for in the summer, Eight and nine as the finished product, the finished record for this season. You're going to like the thing I can't wrap my head around is that people think that nine losses 
that, that we were going to have nine pretty losses. Like, in what world are you living in that you're watching football games and the losses are fun, enjoyable, They're not. sexy, pretty losses? They're not. That's not how this works. This works because when they win, it's great. And we enjoy it. We celebrate. When they lose, we're all upset. We dissect it. And we break it down. And we're angry. And no matter how you dice it if you finish eight and nine that's going to be an improvement to what we saw last year and exactly what we expected heading into this season so if you win these three games like of course they looked bad these three blow these blown games at the end of the game at the end of the fourth quarter but like how else did you want the nine losses to accumulate you see what i'm saying like okay the the kansas city game that was a complete blowout, mm-hmm. non-competitive. Mm-hmm. The Chargers game, non-competitive. Yet, we have three games that they should have won. 90% of the game in all three of them, they, they had the game in control and they let it slip at the end. Like, how, how would people prefer to have these losses pile up? It's not going to be pretty. That's well, what I, I can't get past that. It, it annoys me. And we talked about it last night. And, like, I'm going to look at it. If they finish 8-9, that's a major improvement than what we saw last year. It is. And I think that 8-9 means that Iberflus might be back and Fields might be back. And they might just continue to, you know, trade the pick and build around this team and see what they can do with Fields for the next two years. I think that it, it's also, you know, when you look at the losses, though, you can look at the losses and say, well, that was, a, like, give me, I don't... Give me a sexy loss. You there's got a no sexy, sex, loss there's on no the, sexy on the loss. No, what I was going to say is like, there's no sexy losses. Like I thought at the beginning of the year, I said, look, show me a little something there with a loss. You I got said something? to you, I go, they'll probably split the Packers. I thought they'd win at home and lose on the road. They could still split with the Packers and win on the road and lose at home, right? I thought that the Tampa Bay game was going to be a win. It wasn't. That one hurts. Like you're you're going to win some games you're not supposed to, and you're going to lose some games you're not supposed to. I thought that the Tampa game was a game that they weren't supposed to lose, right? The Broncos game. They were on paper. I was like, I don't know about that one. The Broncos could be tough. Russell Wilson came out and looked really bad, but Justin Fields gave that literally gave that game away. So you can have losses that aren't as bad as like we all thought they were going to lose to the Chiefs. I don't care what the score is. Doesn't matter if it was twenty one to to twenty or if it was forty two to three. It's my point. Doesn't matter. They were going to lose to the Chiefs in the Cleveland game. Heading into this season, we all probably expected it to be a loss, right? Mm Hmm. Uh, so we, we show me the sexy loss, but in the begin, but your your expectations can change. Like in the beginning of the season, I could say, "All right, the Browns probably a loss," but when you get to the point where they're on their fourth quarterback, it's Joe Flacco. Their defense is banged up. Their offensive line is missing three starters. You say, "Hey, you can win this game." They should have won the game. They should have won the game. They should have won so the yeah, game. So yeah, beginning of the season, I wrote down loss, but when you get to the game, it's like you should win that game, and they didn't. Matt and Streamwood, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Matt? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my phone call. You guys, I was just listening to this past post game, you know, with Darnell Mooney and with what's his name, Justin Jones, like they said after the Cleveland game. And on both sides of the ball, I, I just heard that the signs to me, like I was telling your producer, is that when I heard Justin Jones talking, was it Darnell Walker? Was that who the one that was going in the background saying that it's not Justin Jones' fault? It was Coach Eberflus fought for putting him in that position for the defense on that third and 15 when the tight end for Cleveland got the touchdown or got that big throw mm-hmm. from Joe Flacco. 
and that I know with Mooney, he said that the, the offense got into a lull in the third quarter, and it just seems to me like I think that Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles need to listen to this locker room, that I think Coach Eberflus is losing the locker room now, and that on both sides of the ball, it just seems like this team, regardless of what happens, is that they just don't have any confidence in themselves. And I was so proud of that defense, Black and Abdallah, that this, you know, that game, that the first three quarters, Montez Sweat, he has made such a difference in that defense. And I was so proud and that they just kept getting the ball and they kept getting Flacco down and that the offense just kept going three and out. They had, what, eight three and outs in this whole game. And it just seems to me that I was just embarrassed for the offense. I'm just like, it's just, it's just so bad that we've got the defensive star and that Montez Sweat is complimenting this defense on both the secondary and the linebackers and the people are making plays, getting interceptions and changing the field positions. And the offense just stalls. Like we yeah. got to the we got to the one yard line with you know with Eddie Jackson. He returned it, and it took eight tries for Judson just to get the ball in. I'm not saying it was just him. It was just bad. Like the offense, you know, commit false start. You know, you know, you know, it, it, you know, false start. And it just took so many tries for this, this offense to just punch it in from the one yard line that they took eight tries. And if you know if they didn't have twelve men on the field for Cleveland, you know, we might have probably had to kick a field goal. It just seems like. This offense always sells for field goals when we turn the field position around. And so I was just saying, I just hope that Kevin Warren and, you know, Ryan Poles listen to this locker room, that it seems to me on both sides of the ball that this team is just seeing that Coach Eberflus and these threat three epic collapses, that they're just starting to become fractured and losing, he's losing the locker room. And that I just want to start over with a different head coach, with a different OC, and just try something, you know, if they do draft a new quarterback, then I just want that, that quarterback to have the OC and coach that want him. And if they want to keep Justin, then I want someone to believe in Justin and help him. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the phone call. I don't know if I agree with the losing the locker room. We no. spent an hour with TJ Edwards yesterday. Uh, it doesn't appear to me as if they're, that they're not playing for him. No, it, now, it seemed to me that when we were asking TJ about the locker room and after the game, the impression I got is that Donald Mooney's comments were kind of on his own. Yes. And that's not what the leaders of the team are kind of feeling that vibe. You know, the first thing out of his mouth yesterday, TJ Edwards, his mouth about what needs to happen going forward is get back to work. And we mm-hmm. have a chance to win these three games. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. He, it didn't appear as if that's the way the locker room is trending. I feel like that the locker room, at least the offensive guys, are growing frustrated with Luke Getze. And you heard that in DJ Moore's comments when he said we should go down the field more. Like, we should go down the field more. We did it, but we should do it more. That's on Getze. And if they choose to move on from him, then... Fine, get a different play caller in here. Get someone else to run the offense. Get someone in to install an offense that is is catered more to Justin Fields' strengths if you're going to keep Eberflus. Because I do think that the quarterback is tied to the coach. I don't think that there's a a scenario where if they're going to draft a quarterback, they're keeping Eberflus and Getze and just hiring uh, a defensive coordinator. I don't think that that's the case. 312-332-3776 is our phone number if you want to talk Bears football with us. It's Black and Abdallah. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Black and Abdallah. 
on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. At 312-332-3776. We'll get to more of your Bears calls in just a second. Abdel, last night we were discussing our favorite Christmas movie. And your answer was Home Alone. Of course, Home Alone. I think for many people of a certain age, it's the absolute best, most iconic Christmas film. Uh, I have a story here for you, Abdel, about Home Alone. Mm. I think it will intrigue you. Uh, what's one of the items from the film that's a running gag that kind of uh, maybe goes underappreciated? Uh, one that I would say is when he orders pizza. Yeah. What happens when the pizza delivery guy shows he up to the, the house? He hits the thing. He hits the thing. And he it does in the second over. one, too. Right. Uh, it's a fun gag, right? Uh, do you know the uh, pizza parlor that he delivers from? Little Nero's. Little Nero's. Did you know that there's a restaurant... In the Chicagoland area that is changing the Little Nero's Pizza for the holidays? Are they going to hit my uh, the stand? I don't have a driveway, so they couldn't hit the stand in my driveway. If you're out in Park Ridge, Easy Street Pizza for the holidays will okay. be Little Nero's Pizza. They've got uh, their menu has a whole bunch of stuff that's tailored towards Home Alone. There's seasonal cocktails like the Wet Bandits Hot Chocolate or Uncle Frank. You can order the Uncle Frank. What's the Uh, Uncle Frank? Let's see. Whiskey, brown, sugar, simple syrup, black walnut bitters, orange peel, and cranberry. That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, But the pizzas come in a box, a little Nero's pizza box. That's cool. So you can go and order little Nero's pizza. Uh, from Easy Street Pizza in Park Ridge. Yeah. For the holidays. I watched them both this year, Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. I feel like I enjoyed two a little more. What? I feel like I'm enjoying two a little more. Blasphemy. What's wrong with you? You know why? I really like, um, why can't I think of his name? Why can't I think of his name? The dude from the hotel. Come on. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. I love Tim Curry in that movie. He's so good in that movie, and there's no Tim Curry like mm-hmm. in the first Who one. Who plays a sidekick? Uh, Rob Schneider. Yeah, Rob Schneider. He's great in that. Yeah, and so like I feel like there's more like parts and like little quirky stuff like that. Like when he tells him to stop counting his tips in public and like stuff yes. like that. When he hands him the gum and he's like, "Oh wait, wait, wait!" And then he goes, he hands him the money. It's like, "Oh sure, fine, no tip." And he hands it. He's got the wad of money. It's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" When he brings him the uh, when Rob Schneider brings him the bathing suit, and he's like, "Careful." There could be girls around. <laughs> like, there's all that, like, small stuff to me that I enjoyed watching. I like one more, but this year I was kind of looking forward to watching two a little bit more than one. I think they're both great. Yeah, they are. They're both great. And if you want the pizza, Little Nero's Pizza, Easy Street Pizza in Park Ridge is uh, transforming to a Home Alone-themed pizza parlor for the month. They should have a uh, cheese pizza that's only for one. Yeah, only for my very own cheese pizza. Is one or two, or which movie is it when Marv turns into the skeleton for a brief second when he's being electrocuted? That's... Because that's like the best shot in either movie. That is two... It's in the warehouse, right? Like when he... Well, because he goes to turn on the... uh, Because he's covered in paint. 
Yeah, it's got to so be So it's got to be two. Yeah, yeah, because he's covered in paint, yeah. and he goes over to the sink to wash it off, and when he touches the handles, he electrocutes himself, so it's definitely two. Funniest part in neither movie. Yeah, see? So you said the best part of the both movies yeah, is well, in number two. You're, you're convincing me. You're winning me over a little bit. Fun you, you guys are doing a lot of that today. Fun, you want a fun fact, Kevin? Always. Would you like a little fun fact? Always, Chris. The church in uh, Forest Park, where he runs out in front, before he has to set up all the booby traps at home, before they come to take out the house, mm-hmm. that's where I got married. Oh, is is that, that the reason why? Uh, no, but it, it, that's that's the outside shot. Is the the church that's probably why it costs so much? Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> Pictures of the cast. Someone just tweeted us and said they got one over the weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, it's great. Big BZ one seventy one. Need a remote there? Oh, guys. yeah, he's got Need the picture. He's got the picture of it. That's awesome. Let us know how it was. All right, that's great. Ryan in Bloomingdale, you're on ESPN 1000 with Black and Bell. What's up, Ryan? Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, first time caller here. Appreciate you taking my call. Um, I had a piggyback off of a caller that uh, um, was about two calls ago. Uh, basically, you guys mentioned uh, you know Ryan Poles, and they're basically the last uh, year they're is getting thrown out. So let's assume that they're they're going to be there next year. Uh, I think the they're going to get fired if they don't make the playoffs, in my opinion. Best way to make the playoffs is, I think, Marvin Harrison Jr., number two overall. If we have the number one pick, we trade that away, get neighbors, and then with our uh, fifth pick or sixth pick, we take an offensive tackle, and that's going to be the uh, recipe to the playoffs, in my opinion. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for the phone call. We go to uh, Andrew and Bartlett. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Andrew? What's up, boys? How are we doing tonight? We're good, Ben. Awesome. Um, so I know you guys probably watch the most uh, college football at the station besides like Shea and like uh, Aki, probably yeah. um, uh, Hoodie a little bit. Uh, I mean, forget about like the contract stipulations and, um, you know, uh, resetting the contract, uh, QB, rookie contract, all that, you know. Um, so who, like, if you had to win a game right now, who would you take, Caleb Williams or Justin Fields? I just want to hear your guys' opinion. His height concerns me a little bit. Uh, personally, I was actually recently at the uh, Packers and uh, Chiefs game a few weeks ago in Green Bay, and and I know it's Patrick Mahomes. He's he's the greatest quarterback I've seen. Kind of like Shea says with his two eyes, besides Brady. And I'm a young guy, so I know it's not saying a whole lot, but he's obviously uh, amazing. And uh, his height, though, you see him in, in person. Even my my dad was saying like he's itty bitty. Like it's it's kind of concerning. And like you see someone coming out of college that's same same height, maybe even an inch or two smaller, and it's kind of you know, it, the the height is concerning. So I just wanted to see your guys' opinion. Uh, that's all. And I uh, hope you guys have a great night. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Andrew. Appreciate it. Uh, concern over the height for Caleb Williams is absolutely on my radar. I, I think it's it's the style of play. He can make all the throws, and he is crazy athletic. The problem I've had with Caleb Williams watching him as a USC fan is he holds onto the ball way too long. It's not going to work in the NFL. And he is loose with the football. So when he's dancing around the pocket, he has the football down near his hip, which is going to be easy for defensive ends, tackles, linebackers to swat that football away. And essentially, it's the same problem we see with Justin Fields is the fumble issues. Caleb can make all the throws, uh, but he's short. He's 6'1", and that is concerning to me. Yeah, like if you would have asked the question, who would you trust more, Justin Fields or Drake May? Justin Fields or Bo Nix, Justin Fields and maybe even Jaden Daniels. Like I would have, I might have a different response. I 
don't like Caleb. What I've seen from him in college, and I understand the scouts and the people that get paid a lot more money than we do to do this, say that he is a can't-miss prospect, right? That he's one of the best that they've seen in the last two decades, okay? But when I watched him play, and you watched him more than I did because you're searching for a rogue Pac-12 network (laughs) stream to watch his games, we saw the same thing. We saw Justin Fields. And Lance Briggs, when he joined us for a Bears night in Chicago, said the same thing. Why would you draft Justin Fields when you already have him on the team? Like it's he does the same things. People were tweeting us after you know after the that fourth and that fourth down play where Fields ran down the field and Mooney didn't have a, a good block and they just missed that first down marker. Kale Williams would have made that play. No, he wouldn't have. He actually would have been shorter of the goal line because he's three inches shorter, so or of the of the first down marker. So. To me, if you're if I want a quarterback that I know that can make throws, that can win, that can throw from the pocket, that can throw from the move, I'm pretty pro Bo Nix right now. You know, I would also add the the item, and I see uh, West Coast buys in the Twitch chat mentioning it. He in the Lincoln Riley offense, he's exclusively played in the shotgun. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that SC played. They ran the football out of shotgun. He stood five yards behind the line of scrimmage for every single snap when he was at Southern California. So, you know, and then the same at Oklahoma with with Lincoln Riley. So, like, that would also be something I would be interested in is when you place Caleb Williams under center, is he going to be able to play and run a professional offense? I, I don't know. The experts will tell us as we get closer to the NFL draft. I just think heading into this last season, we all expected a little bit more from Caleb Williams. He didn't quite show it. Devin in Palatine, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Devin? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. What do you think? So I'm, I'm, I want to compare his situation, our situation, to what the Colts were in when Peyton Manning got hurt, and then all of a sudden Andrew Luck was available. Right? So they had to pass. They, they, they had to let... Peyton Manning go to get Andrew Luck. Well, everyone's saying that Caleb Williams, all the scouts are saying he's the best prospect since Caleb Williams. I mean, since Andrew Luck. So, in my mind, I'm like, there's no chance we're going to pass on it. If they pass, uh, if, if they traded Peyton Manning, who went on to go to two Super Bowls and win one, you know what I mean? Like, that's a lot bigger deal than getting rid of Justin Fields. So I'm a huge fan of it. And I would have to ask you guys the question. I think it's a good question to ask. How many teams in the league right now, if they were in the same situation as us, but they had another team's pick that was number one overall and Caleb Williams is available, who would get rid of their quarterback and take Caleb Williams? I think even the Bengals would consider it with what they're saying with Caleb Williams and how good he could be. I mean, Joe Burrow's been two seizing any injuries. How many teams that have good quarterbacks now would get rid of their quarterback to draft a guy that they think is the best prospect since Andrew Luck. It's hard to make an argument that, as much as I love Justin Fields, it's hard to make an argument that you can stick with him. And I think there's a lot of teams that have quarterbacks better than Justin Fields right now that would probably definitely think long and hard about it. Even the Bengals, everyone loves Joe Burrow, but two season ending injuries, would they consider? And, I, and by all intents and purposes, Caleb Williams is a better prospect than Joe Burrow. I don't know. Go through the list of all the teams that have good QBs, and you tell me which one would pass on an opportunity like this. I, and all seven GMs that they, you know, in that report that came out, all said they would take Caleb Williams. I don't know. I'm just an average. I'm, I'm just a fan, and I don't really break down the film. But I, I, 
He's been really hard to pass on this guy. Yeah, thanks for the call, Devin. Appreciate it. I, I disagree. I don't think he's a better prospect than Joe Burrow. No. Joe Burrow had one of the greatest college football uh, seasons we've ever seen. Yeah. And he was a can't-miss prospect coming out of LSU. He, what he did uh, for the Tigers in winning the national title, he was the guy. Uh, I don't think Caleb is a better prospect than Joe Burrow, no. and he absolutely is not a better quarterback. No. So the Bengals wouldn't uh, draft Caleb Williams over having Joe Burrow. I can, I no, can Joe guarantee Burrow's you Joe Burrow is a top-five quarterback. Now, the amount of teams in the league that would rather have Caleb Williams than uh, their current quarterback, I mean, you're looking at the same candidate of teams that are essentially in the same mix that the Bears are in. You're looking yeah. at the Giants. You're looking at the Packers. You're looking at the Bears. Patriots. You're looking at... Yeah, the Patriots. Commanders. Uh, I would imagine maybe the, the Saints would be interested there. I mean, there's probably a handful of the teams Raiders. that don't have legitimate, you know, the Falcons the would Titans. probably rather have them. But, yeah, I mean, sure. And I think that's the decision you have to make is whether or not the ceiling for Justin Fields is there or if you go to Caleb Williams. We'll have the song of the night and more Bears calls coming up next. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. You're listening to Black, 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 Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. If you had to guess right now, Based on the opinions of the city, what percentage do you think want Matt Eberflus fired? Oh, like 90%. You think it's that high? 90% right I think now? it's like 85 to 90%. Yeah. And then Justin Fields to move on from Fields? Uh, 80%. Really? That yeah, high? I do. I do, yeah. I feel like today at the station, throughout all the shows, there's been a lot of phone calls supporting Justin Fields. I feel like that's how it goes, though, right? I, I was doing this because I, uh, I haven't been working the Carmen and Yurko show the last two days, but I've been listening. And I feel like we go through this motion of Monday is fire everyone, get rid of everyone. And then Tuesday is when the people who support come out of the woodwork and say, hey, no, we're building something. Yeah, they lost, but we're building something. We're building this. You can't just give up. I feel like that's the flow of the week after a loss. And then Wednesday, we start looking at the next team and you get a few. It's a mix at that point. All right, we'll continue taking your phone calls at 312-332-3776. It's time for the song of the night. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's Song of the Night. Yo, Larry. Tonight's song, we go to the Rolling Stones. Happy Listening to Happy 
by the Rolling Stones. How about this? Yesterday, December the 18th, Keith Richards turned 80 years old. He was Oof. born in 1943. Wow. He Shout turned out. 80 yesterday. Happy birthday. This is a song that is sung, written, and performed by... Keith Richards. What happened is they were recording Exile on Main Street. Okay. He showed up early with the saxophone player and the drummer. The rest of the band was not there. They're like, let's roll. So he's like, I got, he started playing this riff, made up the words on the spot. They recorded this. He actually recorded the bass line to himself. And then they added in Mick Jagger's uh, vocals afterwards. And then added the rest of the parts afterwards as well. But he wrote this on the fly. The whole thing was done in like four hours. That's how this was made. See, that's when music was music. He just made it up. And guess what? His quote is, and I was pretty happy about it, which is why it ended up being called Happy. (laughs) He also played his guitar. He took one of the strings off, only played with uh, five strings on his guitar during this song. See, that, that's pretty cool. And uh, I, I would imagine there's plenty of jokes for the amount of partying that he's done in his yeah. life. That 80 is more like 180 in uh, human years. There's, there's, there's human normal years that you and yeah. I have lived. I'm yeah, 39, right. you're 38. In Keith Richards' years, we would be Some 100 years. years. We'd be 60. <laughs> like, that's his bones are solid cocaine at this point. <laughs> So there you go. Happy birthday yesterday for Keith Richards. The Rolling Stones, happy. It's your song of the night. Touch that dial because it's time for what dial? There's there's no dial on my phone. Eric, yeah, it's just an experiment. Ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdullah's song of the night. Yo, Larry. Do you have a message for Eric? No, he'll know. Remember that was for Eric. Remember. All right. Tonight, yeah. song of the night. Yeah, song of the night, Eric. Yeah, send him an email. <laughs> he knows. The, only the three of us know what the H we're talking That's about fine. right now. Sometimes it's just for us. Hey, we'll be back in two minutes. Black and Abdallah, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.